0: with James
1: and Jane. Hi everyone, just before we get cracking into this week's episode, I wanted to jump on and mention our new support page. So as some of you may know, we're on a bit of a mission to increase accessibility to good quality management and career training. Um, and if you'd like to support us in this, you can go to wwwworldworkio forward slash support to learn more.
0: Hello, this is James.
1: And this is Jane.
0: And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. What are we speaking about today,
1: Oh, uh, So I'm really interested in today. Today we have a guest. It's one of our guest episodes. And we have Lewis Garrod from Mercer. And we're going to be talking about the future of work.
0: Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? What kind of stuff do you think we're going to cover?
1: Well, I think it's some of your favorite top topics in particular. I think we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about how uh technology might impact the changing shape of work but also about people's experience of work and how what they look for in a career might uh, might be changing now and in the future
0: well, that sounds awfully exciting <laughs> it does doesn't it all right well let's get into the content okay so here we are in the main body of this podcast uh, we're being joined today by lewis from mercer and we're going to be speaking about the future of work um Before we get into the actual topic, though, Lewis, would you be able to say a little bit more about yourself and your background for the audience?
2: Yeah, sure. No problem. And, you know, thanks for inviting me. Uh, So by training, I'm an organizational psychologist. uh, And so basically what that means is I spend a lot of my time studying people at work, finding out what makes them tick, figuring out how to unlock their full potential. Um you know I uh worked in the u k for a long time, uh mostly in the area of employee research, mostly employee surveys uh looking okay. at concepts like engagement and stuff like that. yeah uh then I moved to Singapore in twenty twelve uh you know doing something very similar uh joined Mercer a few years ago. actually, Mercer bought the company that I was running there um uh, okay. and now you know spend a lot of my time working on projects related to talent and performance you know, culture, those sorts of things.
0: Cool. Well, it sounds like you're a great person to join us for the conversation on future work. So thank you for coming along. Um, If we start to explore it, you know, one of the things I see and I think a lot of people see is that the phrase future of work is out there everywhere, right? I mean, future of work is a bit of a, a tagline that people chuck on things. Um... For you, when you think about the future of work, what do you think is changing that, that we're speaking about when we speak about a new or a different future?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it really is everywhere, isn't it? Um, yeah. Actually, I was chatting to one of my friends recently, uh, you know, which I mean, he was saying, isn't it funny how uh, very often just a conversation about a future, the future of work it is used as an excuse to avoid talking about the problems that we have right now? You know, so yeah. you know, you you know, like yeah, yeah. anything to do with strategy. Strategy is a great way to look busy while not doing anything. And absolutely yeah.
0: that's very I
2: did wonder what people were gonna do now that we can't have a
0: 2020 vision anymore or exactly. something like
2: that, right? Know. You know, it loses this ring. But um, you know, I, I think that's you know, uh, you know, what does it mean? Why do we care about it? I mean, I think that we're really in the middle of one of these um Significant transitions where there's really a sense in all aspects of our life that uh, the level of innovation that we've created and you know the way that our society is structured is really changing uh, maybe yeah. in the same way that it did at the turn of the you know from from the nineteenth to the 20th century and okay. you know because if you look back then you know after World War one, a huge social shift, and there's actually a lot of similarities. Um, yeah. But for me, I think therefore you know we really talk a lot about this because people, you know, are very worried about it. It makes them very anxious uh, yeah. because they want some certainty in their lives, some predictability. So what I think is really changing is you know both you know, the configuration of you know how people work, it's you know the tools that they will use and the skills that they will need, uh, and then how work relates to the rest of their life. Uh, okay. You know this idea that. Um, you know, the nature of of someone's employment relationship is shifting and what people want from their work. And I think because it's changing, people don't really know where it's going. There is just a constant conversation about it right now, like, mm, you know, where will this end up? Uh, yeah. so that's why I think it's it's become such a hot topic and why we're all constantly all talking about it.
0: Yeah, it it really does play to those sort of insecurities about change and, and lack of stability that, that people... Um... People find uh, fixating. Um, when people talk about the future work, you, you talked about things like social change and changes to our relationship with work, and people often talk about things like technology as well, which I think can be somewhat misinterpreted. When, when you think about our relationship with work, what do you see changing in that space?
2: Well, so, I mean... One of the wonderful things about people is that they always attenuate to what they've got. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, if you think about the way work has changed over the last hundred years, the quality of our working lives um, has improved dramatically it's really substantially better than you know yeah. when the industrialization started to happen and kind of modern day organizations you know large groups of people coordinated together to get stuff done came into being um, mm-hmm. you know those places were drudgery you know frightening yeah Dickensian right yeah I mean, exactly. it's really and I mean <laughs> you know we've moved a bit away from that and what we you kind of notice is, is that with every dramatic step forward, you know, people kind of get used to their life being that much better and then start yeah. to aspire to the next phase, to something that's even better. Yes. Um, you know, customers do this and clearly, you know, employees do this as well. So, you know, I think we've got to this stage where actually, you know, if, if most people look at their work lives... Um, you know, if you if you kind of compared it back to 20, maybe in 30 years ago, they're pretty fulfilling. You know, they've got they've got goals. You know, we we, we um, companies aspire to have environments where people respect each other. Your boss, there's an expectation. Your boss, uh, it, you know, helps you to be a success. You know, those things, you know, are quite common in the workplace now. Um, so, you know, we've got to this point where now people kind of step back and say, well, what am I doing this for? You know. Why okay. am I here? Like, what is that higher level that you know I am striving for? And I think if you if uh, if you looked at that hundred years ago, it been it would have been like like who cares? But in the modern yes. age, it's become something people are striving for and uh, is important. So I think that's one thing. You know, this sense that uh, people are really looking for a lot more meaning from what they do because they are they are afforded that opportunity uh, like they never have been before.
0: Yeah, so we've, in the stuff that we've seen, um, seen a lot of reference to purpose and an increasing desire from employees to have purpose in what they do. Is that something then that you think that organizations are responding to and changing? And and what do you think people are doing as employees to try and achieve more purpose in their roles?
2: Yeah, I so, you know, I, I see it a lot, actually, I think, you know, uh, people have got to the point where, um you know the 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 quality of their, their work life generally are are pretty good you know the the day to day experience of being at work they have a colleague that respects they work with colleagues that respect them they have a boss uh that you know at least that person their boss is expected to help them succeed and yeah. because of that i think you know now people are saying you know they attenuate basically to to that situation uh, and they've started to say, "Well, actually, I want something much more than that I'm, i want to do something that I really believe is is worth doing that has that higher value um, yeah. you know it 's kind of in the same way it provides it provide, 's almost like an ideology <laughs> you know I want yeah. to, like really believe in something, and I think people generally have that need and uh see an opportunity to fulfill that need through work so you know one of the key things um You know, so we see a lot of conversation about that. You know, having purpose and doing meaningful work. The thing that I think we get wrong about it—I say we—I mean um, people working in human resources or leadership kind of work—is that we think that you know what that means is the organisation has to state some sort of higher goal and then transmit that to employees and people who... Like a, a vision or a mission of some
0: kind that's really... You know, it's like, I'm purpose. going
2: to give you some purpose. Sit there, uh-huh. here, have some meaning. And yes. if you kind if you look at the research on that, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, uh-huh. purpose and meaning comes from inside a person. They find it themselves. And mm-hmm. so I think what, you know, smart companies are doing is sort of saying, well, look, how do we create an environment where people can connect what they want to achieve in their life and their work to what we're trying to do as an organization, you know, find some sort of connection between their, their purpose sure. and meaning in life and, yeah. uh, and the work that they do. Um, I think Unilever, for example, you, you does that, has been doing that kind of thing really well. They hold these purpose workshops and they've been doing it yeah. for a few years. That's a good example.
0: Do you find that people know what their purpose is at the start of this process? Or do you think that they're looking for a purpose and, and don't have any sense of what their own internal motivators and drivers are when it comes to purpose?
2: Well, so like, you know, so the, the I actually think what people are looking for is meaning, you know, uh-huh. and um, I think purpose is a form of meaning. Uh, so if you think of meaning as... Um, you know, what meaning is, 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 a, is a connection between something, meanings connect things. And so the highest form of meaning is connected to some, uh, you know, to some very, very big concept, you know, the, you know, yeah. something that's very important at the highest level. And I yeah. think the purpose then is something that's connected, you know, f- you know, that connects you in your current state to some sort of, important future right it's it's about goals it's about saying that's where i want to be this is how i'm going to make an impact um yeah and so i think that uh, because of that most uh because it's about meaning and it's about connection when people have this conversation they almost always find that uh really it's about other people and what i mean by that is is that you know meaning is experienced as part of culture in society, you know, it's it's you kind of thinking about how I want other people to feel either because I did something that made them feel good or feel, you know, if some, you know, some people are a little more um, status oriented, how I want other people to feel about me. Right.
0: Okay. That's also
2: important. So, you know, uh, I don't think people know what it is, but if you kind of ask them, what do you find meaningful and, what's important to you, it usually comes in the, in the version of, well, you know, I'd like other people to think this.
0: Yes. That, all that. Yeah,
2: yeah. Right. How interesting. Yeah. So social, like the social context of work, I think is uh, extremely important and you know, probably under discussed. And
1: yeah. you, you mentioned that um, the, some organizations may, you mentioned that some of them, some organizations maybe don't always understand that it, uh, meaning comes from in themselves. Do you think we've seen a bit of a trend lately of organizations who sort of have even been described as almost cult-like in their drive to be, you know, uh, driven and have engagement levels sky high through mission and things like that. Is that something that you are seeing organizations move away from or is it still quite unique to find organizations who are thinking about understanding how individuals make meaning of their roles and how they can connect to their own sort of motivation
2: um so so i do not think organizations are moving away from wanting to be that kind of cult i think that's probably a goal for many of them like oh you know you know (laughs) know, and uh quick drink this kool-aid you know it's it's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, because you know to be honest that makes it easy for that organization to get stuff done because, you know, binds people together, etc. But that said, you know, I think that the one of the main strategies that, you know, successful organizations use to do that is really um, this sense of, you know, you belong here, because you are with a group of people who share your values and your beliefs um, about what is right and good, and, you know, what what our mission is, etc. And, um, you know, what, what What you believe your personally, personal role in that is, you know, down to you, we want to f- help you connect to that. But, um, you know, this is what we all share together. And I think, you know, there's some organizations that are just lucky that they have a mission that just, you know, naturally uh, connects to uh, what people find meaningful and others have to be a little more creative and inventive yeah, <laughs> yeah, in yeah but like I said you know this is an entirely modern phenomena like you know if you went back I don't know 50 years or some uh, maybe even not quite so long people will be like why does that matter
0: <laughs> absolutely and and yeah. you see that when you or I certainly see it when I have conversations with uh, significantly older relatives. You know, I mean, it's just a different mindset on what I look for in my work and what my peers look for in their
1: work. And I think when you talked about attenuation, I think you're really accurate. I think, you know, there was not an assumption that you could put food on the table post-World War II, right? So that was, there was a large part of it that was making meaning by providing for your family, by creating a safe uh, and stable income. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what, what slightly, what I'm interested in is, especially is... With this move to sort of the future of work and, and people all being purpose driven, or there being an expectation, mm-hmm. is there still a room for those people who maybe just find purpose elsewhere in their lives through family, through volunteering, through hobbies, yeah. and just want to turn up and get the job done? Yeah, well? do a good yeah. job, nine to five. And
0: that's is fine. is there
1: still a place for them? And how do we? How do you think organisations will, will well, treat those people?
2: So, um, you know, I like to read a lot, and uh, one of my sort of social science heroes is a professor called roy baumeister do you know i don't know if you've heard of him but he's a um he wrote a really what i find very entertaining book called meanings of life right not me Mm -hmm. and you know he's the the book is all around you know so what do people find meaningful and why and you know he's there's a chapter about work a chapter about family about you know uh spirituality whatever and um you know all the way in which people find meaning in life and all of those things coexist as in, you know, um, you know, they uh, people find meaning in all of those things in their life. And, you know, usually somebody has a dominant one over the other. But one of the points he makes and the book is fairly old now, I think 20, 30 years old, but it's really relevant even for today is that,
0: yeah.
2: you know, meaning through self, you know, I find meaning by discovering myself or finding myself is the primary way that people find meaning in the modern age, you know, right. by, That's you know discovering myself. And, um, you know, if you can do that through work or other ways, it, you know, then you're doing the right thing. And, yeah. and so, you know, I do think that there's, there's room for, you know, those other um, conduits for, 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 fulfilling connection and purpose. But the other thing he says is that, look, you know, the, the model of meaning through work or through employment generally follows three categories: job, career, and calling. These were the three things that okay. psychologists talk about. So you can find meaning in your job, in the specific stuff that you do, because yeah. you know you find the tasks uh, or, or interactions associated with it as positive, and you know, sure. give you a sense of purpose you can find meaning in your career because it helps you grow as a person, feel like you're making progress. I don't know, maybe increasing your earnings so that you, you know, can provide more for your family, whatever it might be, uh-huh. and it, you know, and some people experience meaning, uh, through the, the sense that their work is a calling. Oh, I, you know, I was made to do this. It It's yeah. within me. And yeah, 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 know, yeah. obviously some professions lend themselves to that kind of, um, uh, way of thinking about work but you know the all three basically can exist within a person uh, and all of them can ena- enable people to feel connected so you know i just think it, we've got a lot more sophisticated as well not just in enabling people uh, uh, to pr- have the opportunity to say i want to do something meaningful but f- sort of understanding the role that work plays in people's lives it's not just a way of earning money it's a, it's a yeah. component of their identity
0: Yeah, Yeah. and you know, one of the things that that we are looking to explore at some point is, you know, in a hypothetical world, if people work less, what does society bring in to fill the void left by the the, some of the purpose that people bring um, or, or that people gain through their work or that sense of meaning that people gain, and and you know, we think a little bit about you know hypothetical. 15-hour work weeks or whatever they happen to be, and, and wonder if that's ever possible. I mean, what, what's your view on that? Uh, do, what do you see the relationship between meaning and work and working time being? Do you yeah. see there's any relationship in there?
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so what's my perspective on that? So, so, uh, there's a, there, uh, so my, one of my first perspectives is uh, just the economics of this I find very interesting. So I was reading a book uh-huh. by a guy called Tyler Cohen. He's an economist in the United States. One of the things he points out, which I thought was really interesting, is that the people who earn the most money, like at the top end of the earning spectrum, tend to work the most. As in, you know, the people who are the on that top one percent. Um, what if you look at what they're doing? They aren't people who have like now made money and stopped working. They almost always actually are working more.
0: Yeah, and um, they're on to the next project and the next yeah, one and they're exactly. maybe serial founders or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, and
2: actually people who um, who are in lower value jobs and, you know, who who earn less money per hour, tend they tend to be the people who actually try to avoid work more to, um, you know, maybe are feeling like, well, this isn't just worth it for me. And I think there is something to do with the fact that you know, the, the the very high value work usually has a lot of purpose to it. And if you think of the lower skilled work, it can feel a lot more disconnected and a lot more menial. So, you know, in terms of people working less, I think the evidence is, is that if you give them something to do that they really want to do, that they really believe in, then they will use their time to do that. So I think there is an incentive for people to want to use their time uh, for something meaningful, for something valuable. And right now, you know, jobs, work, whatever, you know, economic contribution uh, is a significant way for people to achieve that. Um, you know, is it possible that in the future that, you know, we just, you know, we'll get to a point where actually because machines and automation will uh, mean that we need to work much less, uh that you know people will start to drift towards a 15-hour work week I mean I don't know I mean I my 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 instinct tells me that people will start to fill their time with other types of work that um they find meaningful and useful like you know social contribution or whatever it might be
1: yeah and we'll see and even if that
2: even if you think about, you know, I, I guess our redefinition of play. So sport has become
0: major industry. Even things like, you know, spend on political campaigning and all that stuff, which is to some extent semi-play based in, in terms of it. It's, you know, it's it's a passion projects for people. Yeah. That's now business, and, that's... and
1: and you only have to look at the stats of volunteers, retired volunteers. Uh-huh. So and how much more? There's loads of data around how when you're transitioning from the workplace to retirement, if you have voluntary roles of. Which align to your purpose and you enjoy doing them, you're far more likely to have a positive mental experience of the transition into retirement.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, yeah. so Mercer does loads of work on retirement, and I think we think that it's—I um, don't think we think that. I know it, it, it's on its way out, like as in because uh, just the the the, the, yeah. num- the numbers don't work, right? Uh, yeah. You know, we're getting. Um, L- like longevity is something that's happening. You know, people are living longer. Uh, there are even real projects to try and extend lifespans. People yeah. are physically well longer. Actually, work is now more about mental faculty than it was physical faculty, which, you know, uh, is obviously the biggest challenge for older people. And so, you know, I think what we'll see is a an environment where um, if we can crack this nut about making work a better experience for people and I think we're on mm-hmm. the right track to do that because I think you know modern day business sees that as a serious problem um that yeah. you know actually people will will want to continue to figure out how they can contribute in some way uh, later on in life and you know that's why I just I think what people will choose to do with their time even if they don't have to work because you know they they can make enough money to live comfortably in just 15 hours I think people will fill their time with some other sorts of activities that you know you could still consider to be something that looks like work.
0: Yeah, something I providing value to others or society or something. Like I think
1: side hustles and passion projects, right? right? Yeah,
0: and, and a lot of this is kind of the rhetoric that you hear when you hear people um, promoting ideas like universal basic income. I mean, you know, people there are saying effectively, if you were to give people twelve thousand, fifteen thousand, whatever it is, twenty thousand dollars a year, that would be. The seed funding, in effect, to free them to avoid drudgery and to contribute more back to society—is that your sense of what what those are saying?
2: I, I mean, yeah, mine is absolutely, definitely, and I, I think um, you know the fact that a lot of seen, you know, people, um, economists, but also politicians, are taking that concept really seriously. I think mm. it shows uh, how. Uh, you know, how far it's come, because it's not seen as some sort of crazy, radical idea. And I do think that the the data around automation and just how rapidly AI is uh, developing, you know, what it can do, I think has really caused some people to say, wow, you know, we really have to think about the social implication of this and what that might mean for us in terms of how we structure our economy, et cetera. So, you know, I I think we're right in that transition. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I I think, you know, a lot of um, smart people have started to step back and say, wait, you know, there's no harm in considering the scenario where um, it it, it just makes a lot more sense to use a highly evolved cognitive computer to do a a whole bunch of stuff that we currently pay people to do. Those people... Uh, will not be able to learn new to how to do new types of work quick enough, certainly yep. in, in the next few decades. Uh, you know because you know the chances are that we've innovated technology that um, we can deploy right away, and we, we, it's going to take several decades for us to reconfigure our social system and our education system to catch yeah. up with the new economy. And we've seen that before, too. And, you know, in that transition, we're going to need to figure out how to support people and give them things to do and, you know, enable them to contribute effectively.
0: And to get that meaning and purpose that work provides and the economic benefits that go with it.
2: Yeah, totally. Exactly. You know, the other thing that I think is is interesting about this, you know, just talking about how technology is changing things faster than, you know, people can adapt, which is You know, if you think about a lot of the new companies that are really successful, just how young they are, many of them, you know, they've emerged in the last, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, Amazon, I guess, is slightly older, you know, it's 20 years old or something. Yeah,
0: it's 97. It's Amazon. Yeah, so
2: it's 23. It's (laughs) ancient. ancient. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just the way a lot of these companies operate is vastly different uh, to the way that, you know, what we would think of like a more traditional industrial organization or, or electronic based organization would operate, you know, just so much faster, uh, more flexible, more innovative. And, you know, I, in the same way that I bet, you know, if you think about mass manufacturing, you know, industrialization made the idea of having like a workshop and an apprentice in the late 1800s. Like, why would you make something that way? You know, yeah, why yeah, are, yeah. That's crazy. Why would you do that? So silly. You know, they, they just it just completely revolutionized the way the economy works in the same way these organizations are deploying technologies and they kind of would look at one more traditional industrial organization and say, why would you organize that way? Um, yeah. And, you know, do they just start with a completely different mindset? So just the way that, um, you know, like agile as a concept, you know, in terms of the very fast paced, iterative mm-hmm. working. The idea that no one individual can be a superhero it's all about the quality of interaction highly transparent very fast iterative working which actually yeah. also creates highly meaningful purpose for work it ticks all those boxes that's a key part of it so yeah. you know those transitions I think are also super interesting and you know um it, it what we're seeing is some organizations kind of looking at that and saying, uh, you know, how do we adopt some of those practices? But the truth is, is that they actually fundamentally need to change the way they're structured, the way that they think about what successful and good work looks like. And that will take many, many years.
0: So it seems like some of the stuff that we've talked about is that a lot of uh, work is not necessarily about work itself. So we've got economic necessity to work. We've got um, purpose or meaning motivators around work. Uh, some of these are being challenged. So, both the way that we use our means of production in organisations is changing. Um, our our desire for what we're looking for through those changing as well. Do you see the relationship between individuals as workers or whatever we want to call them and organisations changing? Do you see any dynamics in that relationship beyond the purpose piece?
2: Well, so I mean, I mean that's one. You no, know, obviously, in the last few years, there, there's been a lot of talk about concepts like the gig economy, etc. You know um and uh, the idea that 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 would there would be a surge in in the gig economy, which i 'm not really you know if you look around you, you know it, it doesn 't seem that uh, they that all of a sudden you know organizations are transforming to be much more dependent on this contingent workforce et cetera yeah um, you know, so why do I think that is you know it could be that this is just a very slow transition. It could be mm-hmm. that actually, you know, one of the things that work does, that a job does for someone, is it provides some consistency and predictability in someone's life. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's incredibly, that's incredibly important, actually, for many people's mental health, you know, be, to be able to sort of have some sort of plan for how uh, for what their future will be like. Um, mm-hmm. and many other aspects of our society are built around those models like how you're going to get a mortgage if you yeah. don't show that you've got predictable income um yeah. but there are many other forces that are stopping that traditional relationship employee employer the relationship between employee uh, you know organizations and people um from changing uh, you know it seems to be right now something that is uh, isn't changing that fast. But, you know, that doesn't mean it won't change or it couldn't change. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we, in future, we won't, we, we you know, there's every possibility that we could people see people saying, look, you know, here are my particular unique skill sets. They like LinkedIn becomes like a talent broker or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, or
0: micro tasks or whatever it happens to be for tickets
2: from a, a yeah you know, a I mean, the, the problem with that micro task thing is it's like return to scientific management it's like yeah you know again if we talk about meaning and purpose again meaning is about connecting things um usually some sort of goals and remember like goals have hierarchies the mm-hmm. you know if you think about how something becomes meaningful. You think about the thing I'm doing is connected to this slightly bigger, more important thing, which is connected to this even slightly bigger, more, even more important thing, which is connected to this even bigger, slightly even more important thing, et cetera, and so on. And so, as soon as you segment work and just make it lots of individual little bits, it it becomes transactional. Yeah, it loses its meaning. And so you reverse all the good work we've been doing, you know, that we were just talking about in terms of enabling people to find a sense of purpose in their lives. So, you know, to me, it's about, you know, um, how do you create, you know, as you start to disaggregate jobs and, you know, uh-huh. we reconfigure the way that work happens, um, I think that there will just be a different mentality around job design. I'm I'm still a believer that jobs will exist. They'll just, you know... Um, be designed better than yeah. currently are
1: um i yeah. the sense i get from uh some of the books that i read and research is that people's experience of work in the west is um the quality that people experience is varying more than it used to be so some lots of people have really much more purposeful high quality work but there is a group of people who are consistently fee- experiencing lower quality work yeah. than you. And I, and, and I think part, you know, part of that is to do with the huge costs involved in improving large organizations, workplaces versus, you know, I, I think, I mean, it's something inc- incredible, like one in four people work in small and medium sized organizations in the yeah, UK. Yeah, so, you know, how will they be able to, how will those small and medium sized organizations be able to afford to give the same quality of experience and and take advantage of some of the automations, do you think? And do you think that will change? We'll see less of those organisations?
2: Yeah, so this, yes, the size and shape uh, question. Um, That's a great question, actually. Uh, Which, you know, the fact that I'm pausing means that I don't know. But if I had to react, I would say that, you know, in the same way that that most companies today are able to buy... Some sort of email, like a Microsoft Office suite, Mm -hmm. and afford it. Um, You know, which many years ago would have seemed like an incredible piece of technology. You know, you know. I think what we'll find is a lot of this stuff gets consumerized uh, and available to many aspects of, uh, you know, several layers of the economy, and that will. Improve, you know, continue to improve the experience that people have. I do think that some of, right now, some of the innovations and changes are distributed, you know, highly unevenly and unfairly across many aspects of the economy. So I agree, you know, while some work has become very rich, the the work that is um, still low, you know, what we would, might consider lower skilled, you know, more transactional. I think, you know, there's less money to pay those jobs. Um, I think increasingly we're seeing those that work become more impacted by automation and technology, and so those people I think are the, at, at, at the most risk of finding their work either disappear or become extremely limited and meaningless. And yeah. you know, from their perspective, you know, just so disconnected, it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything that adds up to anything. And I, th- I think that there's a social responsibility for us to kind of say, well, so what do we do about that? Yeah. I think that's where the skills conversation really starts. Um,
1: yeah.
2: And what I would say, you know, the last, we didn't talk about skills capabilities, but, you know, the work that we've been doing, it, uh, particularly, you know, with some governments, really looking at uh, what you might call soft skills or core skills or horizontal yeah. skills, um, and, yeah you know, those things are really changing and becoming more important. And, uh, you know, you begin to recognize that we're so focused on technical skills, that sometimes we say, well, these soft skills around cognitive, you know, basically thinking critically, and, you know, being able to connect across a broad set of concepts, uh, how we relate to others, collaborate, empathize, influence groups Mm -hmm. of other people. And then last, You know how we stay relevant you know uh, be adaptable and manage ourselves personally you know we don't these skills are kind of skills that um yes you can teach people but you know most people just accidentally learn them that we're not we don't structure them into our education or even into our organizations in maybe a way that we should and i think we'll increasingly see those things becoming important more important
0: yeah. And and that links back to your point about, you know, we might be able to change our organisations, but changing society could take 20 years because our education system isn't geared for this kind of thing. Our, our structures, our durations of education don't really fit, I believe.
1: No, and I think I think it's the economic point is really important. My uh, my mum's next an teacher, and mm-hmm. she's got a theory that uh, the caring professions will be the best paid profession. A set of professions in 50 years time she said there'll be like one microcosm of number of people doing it because robotics will do the majority of us but for the truly wealthy they will want individual and human carers i love and that. therefore yeah. and i just i do you know i have this conversation my mum's not really one for talking about this yeah. stuff and she said that oh, when have you been thinking about this yeah and she was like i just think teachers will be the best paid. do you know because there'll be so few of
2: them yeah so you know uh, do you know who scott galloway is Oh, no. no. He's a marketing professor. He's he's very amusing. So um, I just, you know, YouTube him or something. He's he's fun. But the thing that... um, So I was watching a talk by him, and he was talking about some of the research around, you know, how people in caring roles live longer.
0: Yes. And,
2: you know, he said which evolutionarily makes sense because if you've got people who look after other people they're valuable for the community so you want yeah, to yeah 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 <laughs>
0: yeah. How
2: far yeah one of the most um one of the best ways to have long-term health is to look after other people because yeah. it clears out bad cholesterol he sort of I, I, he was talking about this and you know he was saying well why do you think women live longer it's it's kind of thought
1: thought around, around a gen- right? yeah, yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah so i love that because you know i do think that the the research on looking after other people providing social value um etc you know all of those things both at work and and socially has a lot of benefits and you know if you think about you know some of the leadership role models that we, you kind of look around today they're just the opposite of that. They seem self-centred and you know, Absolutely. almost. And so yeah. it's amazing to kind of think that even in the modern, like one of the problems with mass media is, is that it still enables people who are completely self-obsessed to get ahead. You know, no, I don't know what, the you're about. <laughs> yeah. no, I <laughs> what you're
1: referring to. We don't know
2: anything. Uh, no, 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 exactly. Yeah. We, <laughs> I'm sure we all have our own idea about, you know, people who might be like
1: that yes yeah.
2: yes we're we're imaginative i think oh
1: yeah
0: well that sounds like um
1: oh i could talk about this forever yeah that
0: sounds like a great whole other set of conversations in there um but i think we are going to draw it to an end because we've had uh we've some great chat there. thank you for <laughs> yeah we've run out of time
1: and if there's uh, people are interested in the work that you do and the work that most do where should they uh, where should they go what can they look at?
2: yes uh, so um you know two social media outlets so uh, LinkedIn you know very active on their sharing so just you know you can find me follow me add me whatever it is uh, and on Twitter uh, sharing a lot of content and ideas on there really happy to connect and Of course, you know, the work that Mercer does, you can find it on mercer.com. Loads of uh, good research in the areas of, you know, uh, financial security, long-term well-being, uh, you know, health, uh, happiness, and, of course, successful careers. So uh, if people are interested in those things, then Mercer is a great place to find out more.
0: Great. Thanks for... um helping share a conversation that, that spans so many broad areas about the future work. I thought that was really helpful.
2: Yeah it's a pleasure. Look, it's just great to chat to you. And like uh uh yeah I, I really enjoyed the conversation. So yeah thanks very much
0: okay so you're back with us. That was our conversation with uh Lewis Garrett. I thought we covered some really good stuff there. Um I liked the sort of broad sweeping nature of the conversation ranging from you know, some of the specifics around what people maybe look for in work through to uh, reflections on the role of work in society and how it's all changing. So right up my street is a conversation. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It was much broader than I expected it to be, um, which it, it, it shouldn't be a surprise, given that he has quite a broad role and he has quite a broad global view of the world. But um I was pleasantly pleasantly encouraged by the philosophical nature and also the framing in economics, which I found. To be both refreshing and useful, and I think the two are very important to look at together.
0: Yeah, it's really good to bring economics, isn't isn't it, into everything. I mean, we we often sort of hark back to it in a lot of the stuff that we do, but it's always great to hear somebody else in a slightly different walk of life uh, bring bring it back to that as well because it's really really helpful. Yeah. Have you got Have you got any specific takeaways and any sort of specific insights that really stood I out think, to
1: you? Um, I think, I mean, you know, it's like everything; it's confirmation bias, isn't it? But, uh, yes. but his his absolute sort of confidence that jobs will continue is is a view that i you know i, I fundamentally subscribe to i think human beings will find ways to make work and yeah. whether that work is paid financially or paid in, and remunerated in other ways and whether it's the same shape and the same uh structure i i i just think we are driven to do things and to do yeah. things with some value so um I found that useful. And I think uh, his reflective approach uh, to the change and impact on society for maybe people in less privileged positions, I thought was refreshing and candid. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? And I, I'd echo all those points. And one of the things I liked was the reflection that maybe in some ways, technology is sort of a, a step ahead of where we are as a society. And then, you know, we talked about the fact that it might take us a couple of decades to catch up to to you know having the systems and the ways of working and the processes to reflect our ability to produce things now so i thought that was
1: interesting yeah i think i think the one thing probably i didn't get the chance and i wish i could have spoken to him about was whether um the modern software age and the ability to be able to release versions that are not perfect so beta testing etc has changed the way we think about rolling out organizational structures and job mm. roles and things like that as well because we're less fastidious about it being a final version whereas when you had to build it in steel then yeah. it was a different do you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i do that would have been interesting all right well let us wrap it up there i guess it's just time to say uh, goodbye and we'll be back again soon with another episode
1: yeah have a great week people thanks everyone
0: hi thanks for listening to this episode of the world of work podcast To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us, if you wish, through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.